Hello and welcome. I'm Meandering Mutts. As you stumble over to your favorite podcast, I must announce that this is our one-year anniversary. I'm Rob Sercha. I'm Devin Shepard. And I'm David B. Jacobs. And we are Cadaver Dogs for an entire year. That's 365 days of your favorite groveling hounds running over and digging up the bones of old TV shows and movies and stuff. And today we have a very special episode where we're going to look back on all our triumphs, our failures, and everything in between movie-related. Wow, can you guys fucking believe it's been a year of having to talk to you guys about the deepest, most like intimate stuff in the world uh, <laughs> through the lens of horror? No, I really can't. And I also can't believe that after all this time, all three of us still like have so much technical difficulties getting this thing set up and going. <laughs> we keep trying to make it better and it just like keeps setting us back for some reason. Yeah, one step forward, three steps back. That's the way we do it. Um, before we get started, uh, please follow us at Cadaver Dogs Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where we post a lot of really cool horror movie-centric uh, content, some video game stuff, some videos, and a little snippets of our podcast here in case you want to listen to your favorite parts. So while we start off today, we're going to do something really cool. So this is where we do a round robin of all our favorite episodes through the past year. Yeah, we each have gone through all of the episodes, which I think we've, let's see, right now we're at like 25 episodes. So quite a few main episodes, main episodes. We've, there's quite a few minisodes in there. Yeah. We actually just recorded our 27th episode, which is going to release, I guess, like a month after this or whatnot. So uh, I think the best way of doing this is maybe starting with, uh, I guess I'll start and I'll tell you guys my third favorite episode that we've covered on this podcast. Yes, please do. I have thoughts, but I doubt I am correct. Okay, so my third favorite episode was actually The Perfect Woman, where we covered The Audition and Frankenhooker. Bro, that was my third favorite, too. No way, dude. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, I love The Audition. I'd seen it like two or three times, but like years and years ago. And that ending scene always makes me cringe. But what I had forgotten was how great the rest of the film was and how interesting the flow is, how it kind of blends the genre of, I don't know, rom-com with horror. In a way where it's so funny, it kind of made me look at rom-com in a different way, especially given our current uh, political climate with the way people have like changed the dating game through online dating and wokeness and ideas like the male gaze and whatnot. It kind of reframed the way we look at rom-coms altogether. Yeah, I agree. And like having to do audition was so much fun too, like through the feminist lens, because I think we all agreed at the end that the film was feminist. And that's usually not something that you would see or automatically think of when thinking of audition. Yeah, or rom-coms in general, because they kind of all follow such a similar path line. And since society at large right now is kind of reevaluating the way everything works, you think, well, rom-coms have been mainstream for like 30 years. Of course, they're going to follow this status quo that people are now trying to uh, uncover and unverp and flip around and all that. And Frankenhooker is just absolutely dope. It's hilarious. It's really fun. And uh, I've never heard the word girthful before I saw that film. <laughs> okay, so uh, Devin, why was uh, Frankenhooker audition your number three? I mean, for all the reasons that you loved it, Rob, I mean, Audition was such a fun movie to cover, but Frankenhooker is just holds a special place in my heart. Love, I think the pairing, especially of Audition, which is widely known as one of the most gruesome movies to like experience, 
pairing that with something like Frankenhooker, which is just like the most like campy trauma bullshit ever, was a brilliant on all of our parts. I'm tooting our own horn there because we can. We are celebrating. And two, just fun. It's just fun. And and it really shows you the breadth of horror and how how horror can span all genres and still say something so deep. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. That was a very interesting pairing. And uh, it's kind of like uh, at the strength of David actually picked that pairing, I think. And, uh, you know, it's kind of what we tried to do here, which is pick movies you wouldn't think about pairing together, but juxtaposing their different kinds of themes and how you can say really deep things about society and the world and have an interesting artistic take on something through a variety of lenses, whether it be yeah. a comedy horror or like one or two people in a cabin or whatever. And it's not always easy to choose these films. I think we can get a little candid on this on this mini-sode. Definitely not always easy to choose, but I think uh, we always have a fun time trying to match two films up against each other and really question what they're about. Sometimes it even helps us look at films in a new lens that we never thought to look through in the first place. David, what was your third favorite? Uh, well, this is my, my big shocker for you, because whenever we talk about this episode, we talk about how much I hated both movies. But I thought our conversation was absolutely fascinating. And that is our Women and the Apocalypse episode on the Screwfy Solution and Antichrist. Yes, dude. I knew someone was going to pick this one. <laughs> I knew it. I was like, this is going to be such a can of worms when we talk about this shit. It was such a great episode. Like our conversation went in so many different directions and was so multi-layered i think because like the movie itself isn't really saying anything at all so we just added our own meanings to it and we all had extremely different takeaways like i think we had three completely different interpretations of antichrist that we got to compare nah it definitely is saying a lot and a specific thing and all of ours were different layers within that specific whole <laughs> Well, we contradicted each other. Uh, maybe a little bit, but you know, some of the best movies do that, like Eraserhead and all those other kind of art house horror films. <laughs> Honestly, the one thing that brings it down for me is my rant at the end because I, I really don't like being angry and I don't like hearing myself angry. So, <laughs> so that part is still like that. That's very difficult for me to listen to. But overall. I think we did a good job at like actually taking it seriously and putting the effort in to, to find something cool in these uh, shallow movies. Yeah. So, Devin, that was actually one of my favorite parts was of that episode was hearing David kind of lose it at the end. It was just like <laughs> it was just like unbridled, bottled up, just anger, just like dissatisfaction with those films, which is so funny because those are two of my favorites. I knew Lars, Lars von Trier was divisive, but I did not know. I've never heard anyone get so angry at him before. I mean, rightfully so. I know he, he pisses a lot of people off, but still a fan, still a fan. My number two, this one I really like because it keeps coming back up in uh, contemporary and probably in future episodes again. And that's Good Damage, where we covered St. Maude's nice. Hour of the Wolf. And this was actually an audience suggestion, which might be the only audience suggestion we've covered in it. And that speaks to the power of audience suggestions. Sometimes our audience has fantastic pairings of films. Uh, that's not true. We also, uh, Dawn of the Dead and um, Final Destination were both audience suggestions. Yeah, but was the pairing an audience suggestion? They didn't give us the pairing. This exactly. was the only one that, where they gave us the pairing. 
Yeah, and I got to say, I, I loved both these films a lot. They're both really interesting, and uh, I, I think about them a lot. Like in our most recent episode, which we'll release sometime in July, I was thinking about Saint Maud the entire time. Yeah, same here. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, we we go back to that one. I think in every single episode that we've done since we've done that episode, it just we made really interesting and powerful points about the the price of suffering in not the price of suffering the the reward of suffering and the price of sainthood mm-hmm. and this bizarre fucked up idea in our society that damage needs to be used for something good that you need to be able to redirect your trauma and channel it in towards something healthy mm-hmm. which can in itself be an extremely unhealthy idea. And like, that's not always a good thing for people to do. And it can just be like this really toxic concept where people wallow in their suffering because they they think that it, they need it in order to accomplish something later. Yeah, and I think it's such a globally divisive theme because if we think of like Eastern religion versus Western religion, Western religion is kind of infatuated with this idea of the valuation of pain of like our sins have to be worth something and that's why we need to do them. That's why so many deities in Western thought become martyrs. They die for sins. Whereas in Eastern thought, they kind of transcend the entire concept of suffering. Like Buddha is just surpasses suffering as such. There's actually no value in suffering. That is just life itself. So like suffering equals life rather than suffering must be worth some sort of reward like you were saying. Now, I know you're going to hate it, but the film, uh, The House That Jack Built, has an entire like giant monologue kind of like cut together section where the guy talks about how pain, suffering and like sadism kind of equates to high art, which I kind of think is an interesting point, um, especially when we consider films like St. Maud or Hour of the Wolf, where they do take their humiliation and suffering and translate that directly to artistic talent. Or Gaspar Noe's Lux Eterna, which... Uh deals with some similar themes. It's also, mm-hmm. it's set on a film set. I saw one with Devin. Yeah, we saw a Brooklyn Horror Baby. It uh, just got bought by, I think, did Shutter just buy it? Or um, our friends over at um, Yellow Veil Pictures are doing sales for it. Mm. Great, good. I hope it gets picked up and that more people can see it because it's a really disturbing and interesting movie with excellent use of split screen. David, what was your uh, number two? My number two, this one I actually do like both movies, <laughs> and that is Sex is Sin, our episode on It Follows and Teeth. Oh, those are really good movies. Yeah, Those are really good movies. Mm. I feel like there's a few people who I know who this is like the one episode that they've listened to, and they've always come back with like rave reviews, and they always love it. Aww. So that always makes me happy. I think that's kind of the power of doing like two movies in the 2000s that are kind of like universally loved. Yes. <laughs> yeah. People have actually seen them and actually like them. But also like they they are strongly thematically connected, but not in an immediately obvious way that mm. people, I think, misspeak about It Follows all the time. They're always just like, oh, It Follows. That That's the STD movie. And I'm right. glad that when we covered it, we didn't really care about that extremely surface level and not very interesting interpretation and went into the many other things that the monster is a metaphor for and Jay's trauma and how she deals with it, how she talks to women, how she Mm. talks to men, what her life has become. 
one thing that constantly happens with the films that we cover is I go in thinking it's a movie about one thing. And then when we talk about it, I'm like, oh, I'm completely reading it differently. And there's a whole new way to go deeper into this. And like, I so appreciate talking to you guys about so many of these films, uh, it follows in, in particular, but many others that allow us to just kind of like challenge ourselves to to think more about what these films can mean. On another level, it even kind of like envelops different subgenres of horror to me. For instance, I, I wasn't really aware that coming of age horror was such a broad genre as it is. And I, I think it's such an uh, interesting genre too, because it seems like when you're at that age, films tend to affect you more. So films mm-hmm. about coming of age, particularly in the horror genre, I think carry more weight with that demographic audience. They carry more weight. Oh, wait, gosh. Wait. You could say it follows them around. <laughs> wow, guys. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Guys, uh, pick your head ups from your doggy bowls for this one because Devin Shepard has a number two. I My number two was Ghosts of War, where we cover Pan's Labyrinth. And Under the Shadow. Oh. Yay. That one, I loved it so much. I First of all, Under the Shadow was on my list for fucking ever, and I'm so glad I finally got to watch it. But Pan's Labyrinth is also a favorite film. But just being able to go back into a foreign history to me um, and really go into the deep dive of like what was happening in these countries at those times and seeing how films can really exemplify a whole entire country's plight at that time. And also like two films that are highly respected in cinema and seeing that they are horror movies was just like so fun to pick at. And I think you guys brought in so much energy and really great points to to cover there. So yeah, I just, I loved that one as a history deep dive. I think those might be some of the highest critically acclaimed duo we've done on this podcast. Those movies are fantastic. Probably. And I think I'd argue myself that that's Guillermo del Toro's best film. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah, probably. I, I don't even know what I... What's his number two? I don't know. Maybe Hellboy 1. I really like that one. <laughs> Maybe Shape of Water. I still haven't seen Devil's Backbone. Like That might be his number two, but I haven't seen oh, it. <sighs> you we know, have to no. cover that at some point. I, I saw it when I was like... 13 i don't remember it at all but i gotta tell you shape of water as okay as it is it's still about a chick who fucks a fish and that's kind of <laughs> it dude that's coming from a guy whose favorite movie is about a chick who fucks an octopus so to me that makes <laughs> the octopus movie eight times better lol <laughs> it's about it's about more than her fucking a fish it's it's a it's about the ostracized people of the world and how they relate to each other and find a sense of community within each other and are stronger than those who appear to have all the power. I, I do I want to talk about Under the Shadow a little bit because uh, one of the best things about that movie was the uh, depiction of the supernatural. So the depiction of Jing in Under the Shadow as traditional... Um, I forgot what it's called now. It's not a hijab. What is it? But it, it was the Iranian dress that was kind of seen as oppressive. So that is what the image uh, of the supernatural took on. It was so good. So good. And just also being able to see a depiction of a modern woman in that culture. Well, modern, it was the 80s, but still. Um, her character was so well done and so fleshed out as someone who was really struggling to just be an everyday woman, be an everyday mother. It was great. We're at the final round. 
my number one pick, drumroll please, is Women of the Apocalypse, Antichrist, and a Screwfly Solution. I love this episode. Nice. Yeah. And I know <laughs> it's my own pick. I don't give a fuck. Um, I just thought we came up with some really interesting stuff. It made me appreciate both these films so much deeper. And I even went in and started reading all the science fiction by the author of The Screwfly Solution, um, Tiptree Jr., whose actual name escapes me because Tiptree Jr. is a fake name for an actual female writer who wrote some really excellent science fiction until she murder-suicided her and her husband. Wait, really? What? Yeah, I mentioned it in the podcast. Wow, okay. I, I did not. I just blanked. <laughs> to me, still, I find the plot of The Screwfly Solution to be one of the most terrifying plots of any film ever. But yeah, also, uh, yeah, Antichrist, I, I've seen that three or four times, and it's always disturbed me deeply, uh, even today when I watch it. And not just for the gruesome um, imagery, but for the like cynicism. It's just such a pessimistic film. Nice. My number one pick, I actually went way back. I, I, I feel like in those early episodes, I think we still hadn't quite figured out like how to format things and how to talk well which held back some of those earlier episodes, but also could sometimes create something nice to remain very proud of. Or maybe it's nostalgia speaking, but my number one pick I went with uh, based on a true story, our episode on the Amityville horror and the town that dreaded sundown. Oh, wow. I love that one. To me, looking back, I feel like that was the episode where we kind of figured out some of what we were doing and some of what really, really worked for us. And some of what wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I like that we were super well researched and we were able to present these cases well and talk very in depth about what the movies were saying. We were not strictly praising the movies. We were freely critical of them and what they were saying as well. And that when we got to our final argument where we started to ask what are the ethics when a filmmaker adapts a true story what responsibility do they have to that or do they have any responsibility to the truth and we did not have the same opinion on that and the discussion that ensued was fascinating and awesome it's a discussion that is still ensuing today it seems like it comes up in every episode we cover whether it be over censorship or just responsibility of filmmakers in terms of messaging If I remember correctly, that was right after the Things episode, which was kind of like a debacle. That's where we tried to do three movies in one. And it was just it was a very difficult um, editing endeavor, I believe. And it was it was a strange episode, but I actually thought it came out very good. I was almost hoping one of you kind of picked that one because I I really like the Things episode. I really like listening to it. I've listened to it. Oh, oh, well, my my number one is. The Things episode. No way! <laughs> oh, oh, shit. God. I think, I mean, I totally, <laughs> I totally remember everything that you're saying. And yeah, like, I think everything about it was a little bit of a shit show. Was it our number two episode that we ever done? Number three. I think it was the third. Yeah. Number three. It was still so early on. But it was so fun to just see how a singular story changed throughout the decades and how like I think it goes exactly to what we were making the podcast for is like what are the cultural influences on horror Mm. films and to like focus on a a single story was a really cool way to show that cultural influences heavily heavily affect horror 
it, it, it's too bad that the remake doesn't really have much to say, but I felt that we even managed to have an interesting conversation about why this movie has nothing interesting to say <laughs> and what it might be trying to say and failing. Yeah. And to clarify, this episode is the only time that we've ever covered three movies because we learned it was very hard to do. Yeah. We covered The Thing from Another World, The Thing from the 1980s, and The Thing from 2011. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was a great conversation. And I was very surprised that you two are not as big of fans of the 1982 as I am. To be clear, I do really love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you same. do? Okay. I think we still both gave it like three bones. No, really? I, you know what? I was looking back for the bone reviews for our next segment, and I really regret giving that one a low score. I gave it two and a half, and I think mm. now now looking back, I would up that that score a lot more. That was still around the time where you're trying to figure out like how exactly we rate films. And I think that if we, if we looked back, we might change some of our reviews for some of these movies. Oh, definitely. I don't know if I would. I feel like I'm sticking by most of mine. Well, speaking of bone reviews, I did mention that I went back through all of our bone reviews over all of the films that we have covered on this show. And I kind of wanted to walk through some with you guys, uh, go over our favorites, go over our top rated and just uh, take a little trip down memory lane. Cool. That sounds amazing. And uh, I'm really interested in how you're breaking this down and what you're going to tell us today. So I will admit David is the math whiz here and was the one who <laughs> figured out the ranking system. And so we basically just took the average of our bone reviews and scored them that way. So our top rating movies, we have a tie for first place with an average of three and two thirds bones Okay. with Pan's Labyrinth and Nightcrawler. Nice. Really? Wow. I love Nightcrawler. <laughs> wow. It's just, we all knew that it was such a great film. And then obviously we already talked about Pan's Labyrinth and how much we just think that it's Guillermo's best movie. I'm not surprised about Pan's Labyrinth, but I'd forgotten that both of you gave Nightcrawler such high scores. It's such yeah, a we, good movie. We both gave it a perfect score. If we want to look back exactly on what we gave it, Nightcrawler, David gave it a four. I gave it a four. And actually, Rob, you were the one that gave it a three. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I like Nightcrawler a lot. I just don't think it's like a perfect film. I like a lot of other movies a lot more. It's basically the opposite of our opinions on the thing. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, I think I gave it a four and you both gave it lower. Yeah, we feel about the thing the way you feel about Nightcrawler. <laughs> which, which means that I have better taste in movies. Understood. <laughs> and actually, if we look at the bone reviews from that, that was the one with the highest fours, um, the highest scores, if we were to add them all up. Pan's Labyrinth, uh, David gave it three and a half bones. I gave it four bones and Rob gave it three and a half bones. So uh -huh. two, three and a halfs there, one four. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So do you think that it counts better for the movie if it has more perfect scores or better if it has a smaller range of high scores looking at how we rated stuff you know we, we threw up fours every so often it was very rare that two people gave a movie a four yeah i think it only happened one other time yeah and actually the only other time that it's happened was the invitation david gave it a four i gave it a four and rob gave it a two and a half yeah does that make it third place overall actually it is tied for third place with hmm. under the shadow Oh, oh, great. Three and a half. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Under the Shadow only received one four. Okay, so Devin, you mentioned what are the biggest discrepancies in films? 
Yeah, so we had a couple ones that uh, definitely were very divisive. We all know our most divisive one was, of course, Antichrist. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> David gave it a zero. Well, meanwhile, Rob gave it a four, and I gave it a three and a half. So I would say that's a pretty different idea there. It's actually, it's almost too bad when he didn't oh, give it a two, and it was just like a full spread. It kind of shows us what kind of film it is. It's either love it or hate it, and I think that's so cool. Those are my favorite types of movies, the one that get people like boiling blood, you know? And that's why I know it's good, because it pissed you off to high heaven. We had another one that was pretty divisive as well. Uh, when mm -hmm. we covered The Evil Within, David actually oh. didn't rate this one. I forget what the exact reason was, David, but essentially it was because it meant too much for you. It was beyond a rating system, I believe. It's it, very difficult to rate because it it is like a terrible movie that is good because of its terribleness. So it's like a circular rating. I'll give it a three. I'll give it a three. So cliffhanger resolved. I really like The Evil Within. Yes, you did. You gave it three bones. I gave it a half bone. So that's <laughs> why I was saying this one was a little divisive because we were pretty much uneven there. Devin, uh, if I remember correctly, you hated it because he mentioned feeding a woman to a spider? No, I don't think that's why I hated it. I think I hated it because it was bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at no point during that movie did was I entertained or wasn't angry that it was some rich dude just making a film. I mean, there were some parts that were cool. Like, I respected the tenacity. But yeah, I think it, a lot of it was just boring. Really? I thought the animatronics in particular were amazing. Yeah, that's why I gave it a half. It's so bad it's good, but not in a funny way. Like, unlike something like The Room, where the amateurish aspects make it hilarious to watch. And the evil within the amateurish aspects make it uncanny and surreal and terrifying i think it's the scariest movie i've ever seen and there was there was so much sexism in there that really just rubbed me the wrong way too but i i give it respect a little respect our last big divisive film was actually birdemic shock and terror <laughs> david gave it a three and a half I gave it a one and a half and Rob gave it a half. And I, I will say these are our actual bone ratings and not the ones that we gave in the April Fool's episode, which it was. Yes, it was an April Fool's episode. Although that is the rating I gave in the episode because I just I just gave my actual ratings because I freaking love those movies. It is such a trash film. God, it's, it's so, so much fun, though. It's so fucking it's just, bad. It's so endlessly entertaining. I've seen it. I've seen that one like three or four times. Like it's I, I could just watch it. I feel like it's all in good. It's like a one trick pony. Like once you see the silly bird and you're like, what the fuck? Like if that joke hits, that's it. Like when I watched it with my wife, like she that started dying laughing so well. <laughs> at that part. But then everything else is just bad. It's like stilted and weird. It never clicked for me. Like when you watch the room, the first half hour of the movie is a chore. And then all of a sudden it clicks and it's hilarious. You know, unless you've seen it before, because then, oh, hi, doggy. And he like walks in the room and leaves. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. oh yeah. such a good movie. I know. So I do have also a list of the fours that we had given out. And I thought we should pay those movies some respect. Cool. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay. So starting at the beginning, our first two movies that we covered were Ready or Not in Society. David gave Ready or Not a four. That was our first Woo. four of the show, actually. Stand by it. It was great. Um, I said four, but I didn't understand the rating system, so it was actually a three. <laughs> <laughs> Formally corrected now. 
<laughs> it's corrected. <laughs> and then actually in our second episode, we also gave another four. I gave a four to The Hollow. Oh, wow. Great film. Still stand by it. Okay. And then we had a third four in our third episode, which was The Things episode. Rob gave The Thing 82 a four. I think that's one of my few fours, and I absolutely stand by it. I, I like that because those were all, we each picked one of those episodes. So we each picked one movie that we would give a four. Yeah. Yes, yes, because then we didn't give a four for a little bit, not until Pan's Labyrinth, which we already covered, mm. and Under the Shadow, and mm-hmm. Antichrist, which we already covered. Mm. Our next four didn't appear until Saint Maud, where I gave it a four, oh, still wow. up there for me. And then The Invitation, which was our top rated, and Nightcrawler, which was our top rated. Okay. Rob, overall, you only gave two fours for The Thing and Antichrist. I stand by wow. it. You got to be a masterpiece to get a four. It shouldn't be given out lightly. You're really picky with it. I appreciate it. I am. David, you gave four fours in total on Ready or Not, Under the Shadow, The Invitation, and Nightcrawler. Stand by him. Good picks. I gave five. Apparently, I'm a little more lenient. <laughs> <laughs> Only one more than me. Only a little bit. Only a little bit. I did <laughs> The Hollow, Pan's Labyrinth, St. Maud, The Invitation, and Nightcrawler. So, you know. And those last two are obviously deserving. It, it's funny that the two episodes where we had two fours were back to back. I know. We were in a fucking groove. It never happened. And then once it did, it immediately happened again. Mm. I wonder how long we'll have to record until all three of us give a movie a four. Ooh. I know. I don't even know what that film would be. I don't know what I it feel would like- be either. I don't I know. think it would I feel happen. like I've learned your guys' tastes so much better throughout the past year. Scream? Rob, would you give Scream four bones? No. No, he wouldn't. Thanks, Devin. That was a great breakdown. Thank you, Devin. Thank you for doing that. So the one last thing that we want to do in celebration of our one-year anniversary, uh, we've all picked movies, and we've all picked some of our favorite movies, but we've also all been introduced to some films that we had never before seen. Uh, maybe something that was on our watch list already, or maybe something we never heard of. So I want to ask you guys, what was your single favorite movie that we've covered on this show that you had not seen before that episode? Rob, start us off. Okay, so I'm a little nervous because I, I haven't checked my bone review, so I hope this lines up with it. And we've already talked mm-hmm. about this film at length a little bit, and that's Under the Shadow. I actually nice. haven't really wow. heard of this movie at all until we watched it for the podcast and I kind of instantly fell in love and uh, I've seen it once more since then. And I don't think there's a single part of this movie that I don't like. I like everything. It wasn't a four bone for me because as you heard, I am a very uh, strict and stingy raider, but I love under the shadow. I think it's great and everyone should watch it. Wow. Yeah. Fucking great movie. Mm -hmm. Obviously we give it such a high score. I'm 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 very happy that I was able to to finally get people to watch that movie. I've been trying for years to get people to watch that movie. <laughs> and now I had a way where I was able to force you. <laughs> Actually, uh my favorite was also one that that David forced on us. Oh. This was a very hard thing to break down because there were so many films that I hadn't heard of. Okay, not so many, but a few. That I hadn't heard of and that you guys introduced me to for the pod. And I really did love them. Uh, Couldn't choose them as my number one, though. And then there were so many that were on my list for like years and years and years. And I'm so happy that you guys made me finally watch them, finally got around to doing it. And I loved those movies. I mean, if we were going by bone reviews, it would be St. Maud. But I'm not going to go by bone reviews. 
I'm actually going to okay. go by my just favorite that we covered, and that was Society. Oh, no way. Whoa, I no did shit. not expect that. <laughs> wow. Me an 80s horror. Gotta love it. And I, it was the first movie that we covered, and I think I was just like watching it so excited to go on this journey with you guys. And I look back at that film with really fond memories now as one of the first Cadaver Dogs films. So I think it means so much more to me now, that Aww. film, but it's also just a fun movie in general. So strange. Oh, man, I'm really glad that you picked that. I totally thought you were going to go St. Maud just because I was looking at bone reviews. And I love that you went in a different direction and highlighted this amazing, ridiculous and bizarre movie. Fans of the pod, if you haven't seen Society, do yourself a favor. Don't look up anything and just churn it on and watch it. It's like 90 yes. minutes long. It's super short. Don't look up anything. Go in completely blind. And you will have so much fun. And that's what it was. I went in so blind. I had no idea what was going to happen. And I loved it. So my favorite is one that actually had been on my list for a while. And I know Devin had been trying to get me to watch it for a while. And that is the movie Teeth. Yes! As you guys know, I love like the campy horror movies are often some of my favorites. And this plays into that so well that there is so much cheese and camp and just having fun with itself, but also is talking about something very deep and serious and personal at the same time. Performances are great. The filmmaking is great. Like, no notes. It's a great movie. <laughs> it still bothers me that they only had one cock prosthetic in the whole film. Like, it's always the same <laughs> cock prosthetic. And that really bothered me. It just took me out of the whole thing. I'm like, dude, come on. I remember going in, I thought it was going to be like an I spit on your grave. And it was a lot more mm. like a society. Yeah. Definitely. I always remember just sitting on the couch. There's the scene where Dawn is sexually assaulted, but then her vag teeth activate and bite the man's uh, doo-doo off. And he just starts screaming. And then he, he jumps into the, the lake. And I'm just sitting there, straight face, straight face. And then I just start laughing hysterically. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Love that movie. Fantastic film. Everyone should watch it. So fucking good. I am disappointed none of you mentioned Tingler. I just I just want to throw that movie out there. <laughs> just, it was everyone, on my list. It was on my list of my favorite. If you guys haven't seen it, that movie has no business being as scary as it is. None. It's just for some reason a scary so movie true. with the silliest looking like prop monster you've ever seen. Great. Can I ask, what are your guys' hopes for next year? What What are you most looking forward to in our second year of the pod? Ooh, I'm I'm just looking forward to watching some really cool movies and to covering some more obscure horror films. I want you guys to watch some films that I really like that I'm pretty sure you've never heard of, and I also want you guys to introduce me to some Thai horror, kind of maybe Scandinavian horror maybe even Nigerian horror, something that I've never seen. I want to get into some more like uh, foreign territory. That's also what I want to see happen. And it's so weird that you mentioned those three countries, Rob, because those are the ones that I have been researching to wreck for the pod. So uh, oh. yay. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> no, I definitely am excited to go more international. And Rob's usually the international horror guy. So I'm like excited to see what ones, if they are international or not, these crazy obscure ones that we've never heard of. I'm, I'm curious. 
I know. And I'm always the guy bringing out K horror and J horror. Cause like, I think J horror is just like so fucking good. Cause it's just so weird. I don't think we've covered any K horror so far. Yeah. We haven't. Wow. We haven't done K horror. We've done Japan. We've done Iran. We've done Mexico. I think we've done Spain as well. Spain. Yes. Yeah. Um, We've done Italy. We haven't done any Russian horror yet. We've done Swedish. Yep, we've done Swedish. We've done Ireland. Canada. Yeah, but those, those are in English. But we haven't done Let the Right One In. We haven't done Troll Hunter. We got to do Hausua, which is J-horror. We have to do Train to Busan, which is K-horror. But I think there's some really weird Thai movies that I've been wanting to watch that I can't remember the names of. There's a lot. I also looking forward to trying to cover some new movies that have been coming out. Like I, I really want to talk about X with you guys. I think X is such an interesting movie. I haven't seen it yet. It's so good. We could talk about Slapface even. That would be a good pairing with Let the Right One In, maybe. That's a weird one. I worked on like the Sizzler for it, like the short film that was used to get generate money for the main product. I have like so many pairings. I want to find something to pair with Gojira and do like the Eastern versus the Western responses to the atom bomb. Ooh. Oh, Gojira, like a Godzilla. Fucking love Godzilla. We should definitely do that with like them. That's what I was thinking. I've never seen them, so I don't know if it's good, but in theory, it sounds right. But you can also do Tarantula. Also never seen. Even The Incredible Shrinking Man might might be a good match. So I will like, this is, this is kind of a window into our process. We just kind of like spitball ideas back and forth. A lot of times it's done through text, but in case you guys were ever interested, this is how we come up with our pairings. We Say, I, I want to do this movie. This is what I think the core theme is. What's another movie that might pair with it? And a lot of the time, it's a group effort to find out these pairings. I am looking forward to when you get us to watch Splice, Rob. And I'm looking forward to when you finally pull the trigger on Videodrome. <laughs> the new flesh, man. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. Well, now that we've just been spitballing, you guys let us know, do you, do you actually like this spitballing that we're doing? It, I, I, I wonder if our audience is interested in hearing this process. And if you guys have any comments on what we've talked about, anything that you think would pair with any of those movies we've thrown out there or some pairings of your own, uh, hit us up. Let us know. Uh, and we, we made to even take the suggestion. We have done that before. You can find us on social at Cadaver Dogs Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to our anniversary episode, and we'll catch you guys next time. You're right, Billy. I am a butthead. <laughs>